Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit about and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track -track basis pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. How are you doing this week? I'm doing okay, and excited, and looking forward to another top-notch B-side. Okay, and now would you like to tell me the truth? Um, well, we'll see how it goes in the next 15 to 30 minutes. Um, cause, okay. <laughs> because, hey, I'll jump in and say that we're talking about I'll Get You, the exciting B-side to She Loves You. Good. Well, I mean, your sincerity and enthusiasm, I think, are radiating out of the speakers as we record this. So it's, it's lovely to know that you have such warm and happy feelings towards this particular track. But perhaps you would care to dive into a little bit more detail and just tell us why this song means so much to you. Well, OK, right. So, I mean, let's let's track back a bit. We, are, we have to remember we're talking about a B-side and B-sides don't always have the greatest uh, reputation. I'm not quite sure what happened to the word greatest there. It got spelled gr... Anyway, never mind. Um, whilst I still have the power of speech, I should just remind myself that actually loads of rubbish bands have created loads of awful B-sides. So actually what we've got here is a very modest um, song that's lacking in the songwriting maturity that the Beatles have developed over this time and it just feels like it's a very kind of throwaway thing. It's something that was written that was decided it wasn't so great and then just pushed gently onto the B-side of, of She Loves You. But it's, it's quite interesting to have one of the great Beatles singles backed by something that people thought might potentially have been a single at some point until they woke up to the fact that it's just lacking in um, that what to say again that maturity that seems to be coming through in other parts of their songwriting. Yeah, I think that's probably a relatively fair assessment. It's I, I don't think this is one that we're going to be particularly divided on when it comes to our opinions. It's not, it's not a bad song. It's one of those songs that I kind of honestly pretty much forgot existed until we started doing this podcast. And you, you know, you run through the list of songs, and it's, oh yeah, that's that's that that one. And I sort of listened to it a couple of times, and it's all right, but it did kind of get stuck in my head a wee bit. It was definitely a song which had a little bit of um, bit of an earworm thing going on. It did kind of, I'd, I'd be walking along the street, and I'd just say, oh yeah, oh yeah, and I, I, stop singing that song, stop singing that song, and I just couldn't quite managed to get it shifted out of my head. It's quite interesting. annoying. It's quite interesting you say that you'd forgotten about it because I never knew it existed, uh, not having been an aficionado <laughs> of, of Beatles B-sides. So when I saw that the title was I'll Get You, I assumed it was sort of up there in the same category of song as Run For Your Life. I sort of assumed, and then finding out that it was originally called I'll Get You In The End, I still thought it was going to be on the same vein as Run For Your Life. I mean, it, it just sounds vaguely threatening. But actually, what you get is a song that's probably not that dissimilar in tone and mood to something like Freddie and the Dreamers' You Were Made For Me. It's that, oh, we belong together, believe it. Oh, isn't that fantastic? And And that's also the point in terms of the songwriting, because the lyrics are going back to first album level of, of triteness. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's one of those lyrics that it's pretty hard to pull much out of it. There seems to be a thing, uh, uh, this is mentioned on the wiki page, and I think it's in the Ian MacDonald book as well, 
that apparently it's incredibly impressive that the song starts in the word imagine. Imagine I'm in love with you. Um, oh, no, don't tell me they're drawing, maybe, they're drawing comparisons to some <laughs> other song that, that uses the word imagine. Think, oh, this could be linked to, hmm, imagine. There's, well, there's a, there's a quote on the, on the wiki page. Now, how much you want to uh, put any emphasis on this is, is up to yourself. In fact, I will be interested to hear how much credence you are prepared to give this. Um, but this is quoting directly from the wiki page. Uh, McCartney would cite this, the fact that the song opens with the line, imagine I'm in love with you, and drawing the listener into the story. Uh, McCartney would cite this as an early example of Lewis Carroll's influence on Lennon's lyrics, a ploy explored again in such compositions as Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds, Strawberry Fields Forever, and Lennon's solo Imagine. Any thoughts on that? A few. Um, <laughs> good for him. Good for him. He's earned yeah. the right. It's, it's nice he thinks that. He's, he's earned the right to intellectualise some of these these earlier songs. That's fine. Knock yourself out, mate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to criticise him for that because he's Paul McCartney. Um, and you know what? Go for it. But on the other hand, I'm sure... Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, you see, quite often you'll read... Um, yeah, interviews with Lennon where he will talk about uh, he will change his tune from a previous interview, um, you know, and say, "Oh no, no, this was written by me, or that was, or I hate this, or I like that," and that's fine. Chances are that McCartney's done so many interviews he can't actually remember uh, what he said before about certain songs. And with the passing of time, so what? Does it matter? Not really. There are plenty of other people out there who will try and intellectualize. Uh, the Beatles canon and hello we're guilty of that um that I've got no problem with him coming up with stuff like that even though it just sounds like it's um yeah I don't know which cliche to use um gilding the lily over egging the pudding um I don't care which not true hmm? not true not true yeah that and, and in terms of clichés that's not quite as 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 strong no i'll, I'll go <laughs> no you know it's fine but i i i feel accuracy may be on its side yeah yeah it's i don't know it's it i mean you know if you want to over intellectualize a lyric i mean it does have that possessive nature which is very kind of lennon-esque you know i'll get you um, I'm telling you, you know, there's yeah. there, there's a there is a sort of relentlessness um, to that side of the lyric, if you want. Get is is yeah. a very interesting uh, word to use in in that respect, and and whether or not they were just fishing around for uh, something that's a little bit different in order to sound a little bit different, I don't know, but um, yeah, it certainly has. Yeah, you know, um, Danny Baker. Um, you know, people will be aware of unless they live in Mexico or Sweden. Um, you know, used to do this thing where um, you know he'd say it just completely change the meaning of something just by change of pop lyrics by changing the way that you say them. And he would use the example of actually, if you just take a normal pop lyric and say it in a threatening voice, then it will sound really quite creepy. Well, it doesn't take much for imagine I'm in love with you. It's easy because I know I've imagined, you know, and, and you know, you're, you're not that far off sounding like the child catcher from um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at that stage. And, you know, I'll get you in the end. I mean, well, OK, all right. You know, so tone, 
is important and it's a good job that John Lennon therefore has such a, a happy uplifting melodious tone to his singing voice I mean it's John Lennon I'll get you in the end could quite easily just be about anal sex for, for him you know it could go either way well, that's what but, Lewis Carroll um, would have, you know, would yeah, have implied <laughs> absolutely Alice through the looking also, glass um, I'll say no more <laughs> let's let's just quietly put that to one side shall we <laughs> I wonder what the jabber. Sorry, I mentioned it now. Yeah. Oh god. The jabber. Oh yeah. Moving on. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Carry on. Yep. 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 Um, yes, it is just as well the delivery is so light and bouncy uh, and <laughs> helps to undercut any um, any potential creepiness. As, as you, I mean, you mentioned uh, Run For Your Life, but as we know, that will not always be the case with the Right Honourable Mr. Lennon's lyrics. So we should be grateful, at least, that that's the case, that's the case uh, here. And... I mean, sort of along that, obviously, so much of this song is harmonised. It's not just the way that Lennon's delivering it. And and McCartney's vocal over the top of Lennon's delivery kind of makes it even lighter and even more bouncier and even more... I'm struggling against the word chintzy here, but there is a... Mm. I mean, it's a well-worked-out harmony. They're singing it very well. It's competently done but I mean, we've talked about harmonies quite a few times in the podcast but this this something about the way that it's done here that it just feels ever so slightly chintzy a bit a bit cliche is maybe not quite the right word but it's definitely it's not giving the song the lift that one would expect from that quality of harmony i think there's there's um one point where it's actually an exception to that or at least that first bit not about the you know improving the quality but the chintzy part and that's the harmonisation on the oh yeah, um, which frankly makes it sound sarcastic. And I think I've said this before, and maybe we it's just you and I off air have had this discussion, but the oh yeahs on this song really do sound like he's taking the mick. Yeah, but I, I think that might well be the case. Um, it, it's, it's just very, very odd. That, oh yeah. Okay. Thank you. But there is, because you, I, I don't think they quite worked out the harmonies for it. And they almost sound, sort of sound slightly discordant, um, which is interesting. And, and there are a lot of oh yeahs thrown in and it's used as a, as a bridge between, um, you know, the end of the chorus and getting back to, to the verse, for example. Um, and from the middle eight back into the, uh, the main part of the song as well. So... I don't know, is it just a case of, of overuse at that point? And are they aware, perhaps, as they're recording it, that it's not it's not something that's that's gonna properly work? Don't know. I think that's I think that's kind of my take on it. I, I think they are sarcastic. I think they're taking the piss. Um I I, I really okay. think that. I think they're aware that this is a fairly slight song that mm. they've put together in a way that they can sort of knock out fairly easily i mean sort of talking about the triteness of the lyric before but you could read that whole lyric if you wanted to as a kind of sarcastic uh rejoinder to those kind of you know you mentioned freddie and the dreamers but any of those kind of song or cliff or any of that yeah. stuff um it is the lyric is kind of in that idiom i suppose but it's also being undercut um, by these big sarky kind of oh yes kind of you know flagging up the fact that this isn't something which is meant to be taken at face value it's not something which is is meant to be seriously they are just taking the piss out of it i i would i, I mean i i would have sympathy with that argument it's just the, the, the one thing that, that i find interesting about it is 
um, that there is that that sort of undercurrent of, of that, you know, we might talk about the fact that McCartney is stereotyped as the optimistic one, whereas uh, Lennon is the one whose lyrics are full of self-doubt. And, and it, I find it interesting that he's not talking about romanticising, winning someone over. He's talking about wearing them down. Um, and the, there's like it says, so, well, there's going to be a time when I'm going to change your mind so might as well resign yourself to me. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's something about that that says, look, you know, resign yourself to me. You come down to my level rather than, than me come up to you. That, that I don't know if that is sarcastic, more sort of fitting in within his oeuvre. Yeah, yeah, that that word resign is deeply unfortunate. Um, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt about that. But I mean, that's what I was saying earlier about that kind of possessiveness being such a kind of Lennon-esque trait, and the way that that kind of plays out in the lyric. I think, I think the argument that it's sort of sort of um, piss take, which I'm, which obviously I put forward, and yet I'm yep. not wholly convinced by. But I think, I think it's, I think it's a valid reading, if not necessarily a valid reading. I'm completely behind. Uh, but like that that resign that does work against that reading it's it's just a bit too strong for mm. that to be a, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't get a lyric like that in a cliff or in a freddie and the dreamers or jerry in the basement you don't you don't really have that so yeah. and, and i wonder yeah, it, it, it is peculiarly lennon-esque i i wonder as well if um um it's another one of those occasions where you know to refer back to old conversations that that you know you dear listener may have heard on previous uh, podcast particularly say of, of thank you girl where because it's a b-side they haven't exactly workshopped it for hours on end so you know people would have seen the clip from um you know even if they haven't seen get back they've probably seen the clip of um lennon and mccartney helping george harrison with something where they're, they're just saying look just just sing nonsense stuff until you you get something and you wonder therefore if some of these lyrics are effectively placeholders um, ready and waiting for something better to come along, should it be needed, which I suppose is entirely possible. But but actually, uh, you know, to then sort of make another link to uh, "Thank You, Girl," uh, we do have here quite a, um, an immature melody as well. You know, it is another one of those ones. It was one of the points I made about "Thank You, Girl" is that it just kind of jumps around and it feels at odd with some of the more crafted. Um, yeah, melodies that are starting to appear at this time, and it's interesting to think that you know they're recording this uh, um, not exactly at a, well, but around the same time that they were recording with the Beatles, um, because uh, you know it's not that long between them recording this, recording with the Beatles, and I want to hold your hand, and it, you know looking at the start of, of with the Beatles where you've got it won't be long, all I've got to do, and all my loving. And you just think the the level of maturity that goes into those melodies and those songs in general compared to this, it really does feel like something that perhaps they would have been singing on uh, on that that float uh, um, as the, the Quarrymen all those years before. It just sounds like the kind of song that someone writes in the very early days of their songwriting experience, where they go, oh, okay. Let's let's see what note goes with this note. Oh, that's okay. Let's see what note goes with this note. Oh, that's okay. And then when you play it back, you realise you've got a melody that jumps all over the place. Um, you know, and you think 
maybe they would have looked back on it a few years later and thought it was a really, really good song until they listened to it. Yeah, I think the word we might be skating around here is perfunctory. There is a slightly perfunctory nature to a lot of uh, what's going on here. And I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I don't I don't think it's difficult to imagine this being played in 1957 as well as, yeah. you know, 1963. I, I think that's a perfectly, perfectly valid uh, opinion of it. And it, it kind of does speak to that. I mean, like, even the harmonica in this feels kind of perfunctory. I mean, it's yeah. there, you know, it's not really doing all that much i suppose it's a little bit of extra texture it's a little bit of color in a song which isn't really got a lot going on in it but it's still pretty just kind of stand up there blow walk away i do find it interesting that it's so low in the mix yeah well if if um again wiki is to be believed that it's because it was a kind of a last minute addition and i think it's fair to say it shows this time out okay that's fair enough i mean it's the the instrumentation on it is is to use your uh, word, perfunctory as well. It, it just kind of feels a little bit uh, chugging in the background, almost um, wedding band, um, you know, playing, you know, um, just saying, right, okay, right, I want you to play this, this and this, and they just go out and they knock something out. It just doesn't really sound like anything has been properly worked out, um, which would fit your, your perfunctory theory. Out of curi- out of curiosity, you you know I don't know if you have, but you normally have your stats for how often this song has been played live. Is it one that got belted out frequently? Do you know what? I haven't even bothered to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry, can, I didn't I mean to put you in the spotlight. Like if you like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely look it up because it would be curious. I, 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 there's something on the again wiki about the fact that they 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 uh, they performed it for a verse of it for Pop Go the Beatles or something like that. But it would be interesting to know whether it's one that they actually ever, uh, you know, found worthy of uh, putting on a putting in a gig when they weren't just promoting the single that it comes from so yeah well I'll, i'm just going to keep vamping here until you manage to find the statistics that we're looking for um it's yeah, a lovely day on. here a little bit cloudy um but it's quite <laughs> warm and it definitely feels like spring is springing this is no relevance to anything that we're talking about but you know um if i can get through this without that's fine i'm almost there i'm almost there we'll be doing fine um, um although i definitely have deviated from the subject as it stands if nothing else this is massively increasing the runtime and an episode that I'm surprised is scraped over five minutes at this point. So that's something to look forward to. Um, I'm, I'm just going to take my time now to just to leave you leave you hanging on. Yeah, thanks. That's uh, that's how uh, you keep me hanging on. That's a great song. Excellent. I could probably talk about that for a few minutes, but I'm not going to because that would require me to have some prior knowledge or have done any research on it whatsoever, which obviously I haven't done. So there we go. Um, lovely. Get a bloody move on. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm 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 looking. I'm looking. Um, it's not looking promising so far. Um, it would help if my powerful computer actually responded to Control F. Um, so otherwise, I'm actually having to do a manual check. <laughs> uh, which is, which I is mean, you not... know, professional podcasters would have paused and edited around this, but that's not what we are, and I'm pretty sure that's not what our fans in Mexico Ooh. and Sweden want. Oh, that's something Ooh. I can talk about. Oh, got you it. Know, Mexico has rocketed up the list. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go right. on. I'm excited so, now. Now, bear in mind that I usually chuck in the caveat that this is um, setlist.fm, which is obviously a a um, crowdsourced 
website rather than than something that is is going to be absolutely 100%. But what's quite interesting is that it is saying it comes at the 58th most played Beatles song live. Now bearing in mind that PS I Love You comes in at joint number 62, you go, ooh, okay, well that's quite interesting. Um, played apparently a massive eight times. <laughs> now this this is where I know that the the stats are out. If you bear in mind that just above it it says Kansas City, City, hey 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 hey, uh, and a little bit further up you've got things like you know Dizzy Miss Lizzie, and I I must imagine that they probably played played Dizzy Miss Lizzie more than seventeen times. Uh, so you know there's some incomplete stats there. So we're saying eight times. First time July sixteenth, nineteen sixty three. And to back up your theory, finishing in October uh, 13th, 1963. Um, and let's see. Oh, Fairfield Hall's Croydon. Blimey. Blast from the past. Um, you've got, I think, two of those eight are... In fact, no, one's the Paris Theatre, London. So that's almost certainly a radio recording. You've got the Aeolian yeah. Hall Studio 2, which sounds like it's also a, uh, a BBC-type recording. Um, and then you've got Television House in October as well. So it doesn't look like it's played at many gigs at all, um, which would, would make sense. Yeah, perfunctory. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, that was that was well worth the wait. I think and and it, even, interestingly, even the Fairfield Hall's Croydon set, the set list for that, it's just really weird. It's a five-song set, so I don't know if that was part of, of some sort of... Um, um, package tour you got i saw her standing there you got a chuck berry a cover memphis tennessee i'll get you she loves you and then lucille a uh, little richard song an odd little set that's an if, interesting um, yeah that's an interesting little set yeah yeah okay so in, in, so in to answer my question it's not been played live very much yeah okay good that's excellent thank you uh much appreciated i i, I interesting that you like kansas city how many times? That can't be right. Or unless it's like out with the Star Club where there's just no possible records. Well, that's that's what I mean. It's almost something that, that was played a considerable number of times, but not listed. Yeah. Okay. Well. So, you know, the earliest recording here, it says uh, 22nd of August, 62 at the Cavern Club. There's a couple of Cavern Club mentions. Apparently they played it on Christmas Day, 1962 at the Star Club in Hamburg. But you kind of figure that they probably did play it considerably more times than that because it's just one of those those sort of big, uh, loud covers um, that yeah. they like doing. So, you know, pinch of salt and all of that. Pinch of salt. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Well, I suppose we should try and drag this conversation back either to the song that we're talking about or yeah, to bother. a close. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you one, <laughs> okay? Because actually to link in with, with what I was saying about... Um, you know, with the Beatles, of course, with the Beatles does open with it won't be long. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, you've got two songs quite close together that open with lots of yes. And yet one just sounds a complete world away from the other. You know, that that opening, as we'll talk about next time we get together to, um, you know, it won't be long on with the Beatles is just such a blast compared to to this and, you know, so you've got the oh yeahs there compared to the yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, even the using the yeah in, in a very different sense. That um, 
and, and yet actually think about it because it won't be long till I belong to you is very different from, oh yeah, I'll get you in the end. You know, in tone, very different. In subject matter, actually pretty similar. But one is so yeah, much but, more but mature than the other. Yeah, absolutely. And also because uh, it won't be long has the call and response as yeah. well. The yes are, are call and response rather than just sung straight. So even that, I mean, it's not a big thing, but it does. It just pushes it into completely yeah. different territory. Which, which is, is a good way of training. We'll be talking about next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, hey, watch out for that, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep uh, keep your ear to the speaker ground. Yeah, that, listen to it. That's the thing. Listen Keep your to ear to the podcast feed. Yeah, you can contact us uh, by email. We are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Beatles underscore ology. And you can find more of my writing at www.jgmacquarie.scot. Please like, rate, and review us on whatever podcatcher you're using so that more people can find the show. Next episode, well... You know what we're doing next episode. It's It won't be long. And so we will finally get stuck in to With the Beatles. And as always, we hope you're going to join us for it. But until then, keep listening.